0: Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 imitating Christ's humility therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any common sharing in the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each to each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant May God add his blessing to the reading of his word.
1: Let's pray together, shall we? <clears throat> Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would bless it to our hearts, that not only would we think and learn, but that we would be transformed by your word of life. Amen. This morning, my theme is is humility. I'm going to give you a sermon on humility, and it's going to be a really good sermon. Uh, I've worked hard on this sermon, so you you should really appreciate it. It's probably one of the best sermons I've ever given. You can see the irony in that, can't you? Yeah, see, I'm good at that because I'm a bit of an expert on humility. Yes, humility. Paul writes to the folk in Philippi, these words, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, Paul writes that because he is very much aware that almost everything we do is done for one of those two reasons. It is done out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, by that, I don't mean... Necessarily, that we get up in the morning with our selfish ambition and we all want to be President of the United States. I don't mean that type of ambition, although maybe one of our two of us are still hoping that we'll get the phone call from Rangers or whatever else it is that is our ambition. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking simply about the feeling that I want to have things my way today. That's ambition. My ambition is to have things my way today. You know, we sometimes drive in the car, and one of the fights is too strong a word. Disagreements we have in the car is um, my wife and my two girls like to listen to music as we're driving along, and it tends to be something like ABBA, and I tend not to want to listen to ABBA. There it is. are driving along in a car what is my ambition my selfish ambition it is to get the music I want on and the music I don't want off now you can identify with that ambition can't you in whatever walk of life it is, I simply want to get it my way we come to church and we think I want the music I like one of the great things about being a minister is you get what you like because you get all the choices. But then that's the whole bit of it, isn't it? All the time we look at a church, we've got some ideas. Is that just ideas or is it actually I want things run the way I think they should be run? Whether I'm a radical or a traditionalist or whatever. Or we look at the government of the country and what is it we want? I want it run the way I think it should be run. I want it run round me. The ambition is always about me. Paul says, look at this a different way. It's interesting that these verses, verses three and four, I was going to say it's interesting they come before, after verses one and two, but that's maybe a bit predictable. But in verses one and two, what Paul is saying to the Philippians is this, I want you to have the same mindset, the same love, I want you to be a church that's united. It's a church that is, that is thinking the same way, a church that is in step, that is loving together. Now, that can be quite difficult in churches because quite often we don't agree about big things. We don't agree about the interpretation of Scripture on some moral issue, or we don't agree about how churches should be run. But what Paul is actually saying in the second part of this is, actually, that's not the biggest threat The biggest reason that Christian communities fall out is not because of some big theological quarrel. It's simply because people want their own way. Because we want things the way we are. It's, It's interesting in churches that I've had less people quarreling about the doctrine of the Trinity than I have people quarreling about flower arranging. That's the priorities that we have. Whatever it is, we have ambitions. We want things run our way. And Paul sees that as the biggest threat to the church. And then the second thing he says is here, do nothing out of selfish ambition and do nothing out of vain conceit. What's vain conceit? It literally means in Greek, empty glory. And what that means is the fact that we always want the glory. What we want in conversations is we want to be left feeling important. We want to be left feeling significant. We want to be left feeling that we matter. And so often that is what, what drives us. So sometimes we boast. We, we, we sort of say, I'm brilliant at this and I'm brilliant at that, and we want a bit of applause. And other times we do it in much more subtle ways. I drop in how hard my week's been. Because I want folk to look at me and think, oh, but, but you know, thank you for what you do. Or, or, or we drop in how bad we are at something. Because we're humble, aren't we? We don't want to see how wonderful we are. So we drop in how, how we struggle with something. But is there a little bit of us is dropping that in so that somebody will say, you're not that bad. But you're good at something else. That will do something to make us feel better about ourselves. You see, all of us are looking for affirmation. Even when we we're saying, I'm useless at this or useless at that. So often, it's driven because we're looking for something. So we want to get our own way we want affirmation, what we are doing in so many discussions is we are making it about us. Us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. So to go back to it, and I'm going to get hit for this one later on, but when we're in the car is my thought. What music will bring most joy to the other three? Let's put Abba on. <laughs> I'm really going to get that cast back at me later. Is our motivation to look to others? And the choice that Paul is putting before us is pride, me, or humility, others. But pride isn't just about 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 the things we boast about it's it's about everything that becomes about me pride is the thing that says i don't need other people i'm independent i can manage without you i will do it my way i will have my own opinions whereas humility comes and says i need you and you need me and i get it wrong let's build each other up Pride is a problem in in, in Christian communities because what pride does is where somebody comes to correct you for something you're doing wrong, rather than learn from it, we immediately get defensive. My ego is at stake. My conceit is at stake. My self-esteem is at stake and therefore I lash out. Pride is the thing that stops us looking vulnerable. One of the biggest problems in churches, with churches being places that people bless one another, is not people's lack of willingness to help others. Most people in churches are willing to help other people. What they're not willing to do is take help. That's pride. I don't want to show you I'm weak. I don't want to show you I'm vulnerable. I don't want to show you I have a need. That's why I'll tell you it's fine, because I'm proud do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit and that is so often what is driving us pride also stops me learning and growing you know one of the things I I find with many Christians today is that they don't want to grow and learn new things and so when the minister starts teaching them something new they'll say oh can you can you not keep it simple I'm just a simple soul don't don't give me something complicated which sounds really humble, doesn't it? I I, I can't understand these great things. But actually it's not, because what you're actually seeing at that point is, whatever you have to teach me that I don't know can't be important. I don't need to know it. I know everything that matters. And so often what we see as humility isn't humility at all. It's actually the arrogance that I have everything I need. I don't need anything from you. I have nothing to learn from you. I'm not teachable. And some say I'm useless. I don't have ability. I can't do that. And I want to say that's not humility either. That's just more pride. Because what we're actually saying when we do that is, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do because I might fail and then what will people say? That might take my self-esteem a knock. That might have folk laughing at me. Therefore, it's easier to say, I can't do that because that will protect me. We have the fear of failure. We have the fear of our self-image being lost. You know, the humble person, when they're asked to do something, doesn't say, I can't do that. They say, I'm not sure if I could do that, but I could be wrong. If you think I can do that, maybe you're right. That's humility. Humility isn't going around saying we're useless. Rather, humility is looking at the other person and wanting to bless them in this situation. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Humility isn't thinking of yourself less. Or oh, sorry, humility, let me get this right Way isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So humility isn't going around saying I'm useless. Humility is saying actually... I'm not not obsessed with how I feel about this. Think about it this way. Paul is in a prison in Rome. He is alone. He is miles away from any friends. And he's writing to the Philippians with this concern. And here is what he writes in verse 2. He says, make my joy complete. Now how does he finish that sentence? He could have finished that sentence by saying, make my joy complete by getting me out of prison. Make my joy complete about organizing a jailbreak. Make my joy complete about sending me more food and a, and, a, and a file in the cake so that I can be in a better place. But rather he says this, make my joy complete by being united and built up. My concern is with you and not with me. mark of humility in a church service is when we come to church we don't go away saying what did I get out of that but rather did that bless other people was I able to serve them encourage them bless them support them because it's not about me and my Vain ambition and my selfish conceit, but I'm looking to the interests of others. This is humility. And the thing about humility is it is completely countercultural. The world is full of pride. It's full of people who tell us that we have to love ourselves, that we have to help ourselves, that we have to have self esteem and self assertion, and we have to know our rights and our goals and our visions for our lives. This is completely countercultural. But for the Christian, it comes from the core of our faith. The gospel that comes to me and humiliates me. Because the gospel comes and it tells me that I am worse than the failure I thought I was. That I'm a sinner and I can do nothing for myself. And that I need to accept the help, the salvation that Jesus Christ dies on the cross to bring. And then Paul goes on in this passage with these amazing words. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Put Jesus in the center of all that you are going to think about and how you are going to live. Now, if you're looking at this in a Bible translation, you will notice verses 6 to 11 are put almost in a poetic form. They're laid out. And that is because most scholars think that verses 6 to 11 are a hymn that Paul is quoting. Just like we might quote one of our hymns, he's maybe quoting a hymn that the Philippians knew all about Jesus. And it talks about Jesus incarnate being born. Jesus dying on the cross and then Jesus rising and being glorified you can have a look through this hymn yourself we'll sing a paraphrase of it later but the point for Paul is this this isn't just about what I believe or what I sing or how I worship this is to shape my life and your life together. Jesus is our role model. Now we would want to say Jesus is far more than our role model. Jesus is our saviour. Jesus is our God. Jesus is our redeemer. Our hope. But here's the thing. If Jesus isn't also your role model. What on earth are you doing? And how is Jesus our role model? Well this hymn that focuses on Jesus Starts off by telling us that Jesus was the most humble man who ever lived. And that humility wasn't because Jesus went around Galilee telling everybody how useless he was, or how he couldn't do things, or how he didn't matter. Not at all. It was because he knew all that he had, and yet he wasn't interested in asserting his rights or looking out for himself. He wasn't going around saying, you can't treat me like that. That's not fair. I demand better. I'm worth better than that. Rather, although he was God, always and eternally God, rather than sitting on a throne with his father, he came and was born in a barn. Rather than being omnipresent with God in every place, He came into one place. Rather than being unchangeable and immutable and all the big words that theologians use about God, he came into human form. And he made himself nothing, taking on the role of a servant or a slave. He was still God in Galilee. He could still forgive sins. He would still be worshipped. Yet he set all of those things aside now if that's our role model there is no place for us ever to say when we're asked about something well that's not my thing that's not convenient for me that's not what i want for my life did jesus say those things you know dagging a cross now that's not my thing it's not very convenient He humbled himself to death on a cross. The one who was worshipped by angels was murdered by us, died in our place for love. And this hymn goes on to talk about what God did because of that obedience, because of that humility of Jesus dying on a cross for us. God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth. And on the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about who's writing this for a moment. Where he is. Paul is writing this and he's in a prison cell in Rome. And he's waiting to be tried before the emperor. And he will go into the imperial presence and he will do that not knowing whether he will live or whether he will die, but he will do that and he will be expected to bow the knee before the emperor. The emperor will make that decision of life or death. Here is Paul saying that the emperor doesn't ultimately matter. The only one who matters, the only one whose opinion matters, the only one who has the power is Jesus Christ, the one who humbled himself. And the emperor himself will bow the knee before Jesus one day. We spend our whole life saying, I matter, or I want to matter. To look at how other people view us to wonder about my rights or how I shall be treated or to feel humiliated because someone has treated us a way that we don't feel we should be treated. We think we are important or we want to be. We're worried about our name, our reputation, our legacy. And here Paul says, ultimately, only one name matters. Only one thing matters. What does Jesus see as he looks at me? When Jesus was born, or before he was born, rather, when he was conceived, Mary sang a song, didn't she? We call it the Magnificat. The beginning of Luke's Gospel, you'll find it if you're looking for it. Where she sang of the God who would come and he would take down the lofty from their thrones and he would raise up the humble. The humble. Caesar would bow before the name of Jesus. One day, Donald Trump will see Jesus Christ and he will acknowledge that he is not the greatest. One day, all our pride, all our sense of who we are will melt away before Jesus. So this is our lesson for today in humility. Focus on Jesus, his example before us. Remember the gospel. That tells us all our worst fears are true. We are wretches who can do so little. We are unable to save ourselves. We are those who cannot control our own fate. But we are loved. Be teachable. Let this song of Jesus shape you. Let your mind become like his. And love each other because that is what he has done for you. Amen.